Good morning. I have a problem that I'd like to uh, share with you. Maybe you can relate. I am, I'm behind. I've been running late all week. I feel like uh, this week has been particularly busy. Maybe you can relate. Sometimes I feel like I'm ahead of my schedule. I'm, I'm early. And other times I'm, I'm just right on time. And mo- most weeks it seems like I'm about 15 minutes ahead of the next thing that I need to get to. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just have enough time to pay attention to the next item on your to-do list. There's this wave of responsibility and tasks that's behind you. But pretty much all this week, I've just been, I've been running late. I had an appointment at 3 p.m. this week. I got there early. I made copies. I, I had my stuff ready to go. And then at 3.01, I realized I'm in the wrong place. My meeting is across town. So I was late to that one. Have you been feeling like that? Is that just me? I'm not going to ask you to show hands because uh, well, I probably should. I'd feel better. But I think everybody can identify with being late at some point. And, you know, it's, it, it feels sometimes like the, the things I'm doing, maybe they're not the most important things. I mean, I, a lot of what I'm doing, I'm, I'm glad to be doing, and it is important. But sometimes I think the urgent can kind of crowd out the important. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. And that's why I'm excited about today, and and as we finish our series, Come and See, we're going to look at kind of the final episode in Jesus' early ministry, because Jesus was a man who had a lot of very important things to do. He was very busy, and in this particular story that uh, one of his disciples, John, records, he had an appointment, and he was simply not going to miss it. And uh, what we learn as we watch this story is that there was a, a... a forgotten city in a forsaken nation, and there was a woman that nobody loved. And that was who Jesus was going to meet that day. And she didn't realize it, but when she woke up that morning, she had an appointment too. That day was the day that God was going to change her life from the inside out, and she was going to be the most, well, she was going to be sent by God into her community, the community that had rejected her. She was going to be sent to them To share with them the living water that Jesus shared with her. God was going to use her, the most unlikely person, to be a bridge into the community that had rejected her. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to use us. He wants to change our lives. And he will use our changed life to change lives. He wants to make us a bridge that that he uses to come across into the lives of the people that we're connected to. All of us. Here and now, in this community, whether it's Ontario or Chino Valley or wherever you live, at your school, on your sports team, with your neighbors, your family, there are people all around you, and Jesus has appointments that he has set, set in heaven, divine appointments for you and for me, with people all around us. We don't know who they are, we don't know when it is, but as we'll see today from this particular encounter in Jesus' life, These appointments have the power to transform people and to transform communities. But if we're not careful, we can miss it. We can miss the appointments that God has scheduled for each of us. Distraction and worry and weary and hurry, they can keep us from seeing the situation the way that God sees it. But we're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to miss our appointments. Because we're, we're here today and we have the opportunity to learn from Jesus Christ. How to see as he sees 
how to judge the situation the way he does so that we can recognize the appointments that he has set and we can make them. And so let's let's go ahead and get into this amazing story. This comes from an eyewitness, a guy named John. He was one of the closest followers and disciples of Jesus. He was there. He saw the whole thing and he wrote it down so that you and I can see it, too. And here's what John records in John 4, 1. He says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist, although Jesus wasn't baptizing them, it was his disciples. Jesus, he left Judea, that's in the, in the south, and he went away again to Galilee, that's in the north. And then John records something interesting. He says, and he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you were a Jew at this time, that would stand out to you. To us, that doesn't mean anything, because we don't know where Samaria is, and it doesn't mean anything to us. I mean, we're, we're Americans. But if you were a Jew reading this at the time, you would have been like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews didn't go through Samaria. Jews went around Samaria. This is a map of the area. In the bottom of the map, that's, that's Judea. That's where Jesus was. At the top of the map is Galilee. That's where he was going. And typically what happened was Jews would go around the right side through the Jordan Valley. A lot of water, a lot of crops, a lot of food, a lot of places to eat. Real nice roads. Or they would go along the left, which is the beach. I mean, who doesn't like the beach? Right? But that's not where Jesus went. Jesus went right down the middle. Right through this land called Samaria. And the... The Jews, they didn't like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. There was animosity between these people. You weren't supposed to go there, but that's where Jesus went. And what we learn is an important lesson. It's this. No one is too far gone for Jesus to find them. There's no one in this world that God has created that's too far away, that's messed up their life too much, that has sinned too many times, that's too rejected by men, second class. There's nobody in this world that's too far gone for Jesus to find them. I mean, this, this place is off the map. It's off the mind. It's a place that nobody goes. And that's the place that Jesus goes to meet this woman. And so John continues. He says, he came to a city called Samaria, or came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about noon in the it was about twelve in the afternoon. It's interesting that John records he's wearied by his journey. That's an interesting thing to point out. You see, it would have been a lot easier to go, like I said, through that Jordan River Valley, a lot of places to eat, a lot of places to rest, but instead he goes right down the middle, mountainous, hot. I mean it was hot yesterday. Yesterday my kids and I we went to a park. It was like fifty degrees fifty uh, percent humidity in Claremont. We're playing Nerf Boar. I'm just I'm drenched. You know, it's, just, it's so hot. And I, 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 I was tired. I didn't want to play anymore. They didn't want to play anymore. We got out of there. It was hotter where Jesus lived. He was wearing more clothing. And he went through this hot land to get to this person. And he was tired when he got there. He was thirsty. I'm sure his disciples were complaining, why are we going this way? Can't we just go along the beach? And what we learn is that weariness, when you're tired, like we feel a lot, weariness marks the path to the divine appointment that God has set. It's when you're tired. It's when you're exhausted. It's at the end of the week, at the end of the day. 
You know, when you don't have any more energy, when you're really, really busy, when you're really, really stressed, that God will just drop somebody right there in front of you in your path that he wants you to love, that he wants you to connect with, that he wants you to talk to, that he wants you to invite to come and see, to discover Christ. You're weary, you're tired, you don't have a whole lot left in the tank, and that's when the appointment begins. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. We can read the situation wrong. We can focus on ourselves instead of lifting our eyes and seeing the people that God has placed in our path. And sometimes it's inconvenient, and sometimes it's just with people that are nothing like you. People that you would never think are going to have any kind of response to you. So for me personally, I was, um, this week, like I said, I was busy. I was, I was at the gym. I was in the jacuzzi. It was late. I had been working on this message. And I just wanted to relax and then go home, go to bed. And this guy was there. There's nobody in the gym. It was empty. But this guy was there in the jacuzzi. And he was, you know, polite conversation. I didn't want to talk to him. You know, I was tired. I was weary. I don't, I don't want to talk to him. And the Lord pointed out to me, this is your appointment. And so I start talking to him. His name's Santiago, and he's from Mexico, and he works in a warehouse, heavy, heavy equipment. And he's telling me that he's hurt his shoulder. He's, like, torn something, or he's gone to the doctors. They say they can't do anything for him. He's been off work for a week. He's worried he's got to go back tomorrow. He can't even lift his shoulder up. And I'm listening to him, and my heart is getting hot. Because <laughs> I know God wants me to tell him. That, that he should pray in the name of Jesus or to pray for him and ask God to help him. And this story comes to my mind about Jesus in the pool of Bethesda. And I'm like, I don't want to tell him that. That's silly. I'm not going to say this to a guy in a jacuzzi. <laughs> so I tell him. <laughs> I say, hey, have you ever heard the story of Jesus in the pool of Bethesda? And I'm just waiting for him to be like, see ya. <laughs> He's like, no. I said, well, I'm a Christian, Right. Jesus, you know Jesus? Yeah. I said, okay, so he's in Jerusalem, and the Romans, they built this jacuzzi like this around this hot water spring. And every once in a while, the water would start to bubble up from, I don't know, a volcano or something. And I'm not a geologist. Okay. So all these crippled people are lying around, and they're trying to get into this hot, bubbling water because they think it's going to heal them. And this one guy's trying to get in, and they keep pushing him out of the way. It's like a mosh pit just to get into the jacuzzi. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, so Jesus comes along and he finds this guy and he says, hey, would you like to get healed? And the guy says, I'm trying to get in the water, but they push me out of the way. Because he thinks, he thinks Jesus is telling him he's not doing enough. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I can heal you. Do you believe me? And so Jesus tells the guy to get up. I said, can you imagine that guy? I mean, what if he got up and he just fell over in front of everybody? But he believed that Jesus could do it. And he got up and he was healed. So I said, now look, I, I have prayed when I've been hurt, and God has taken that away. And I have prayed when I've been hurt, and God has suppressed the symptoms long enough for me to do the work I needed to do. And there have been times where I've prayed, and God didn't heal, but he gave me the strength I needed to, to, to do what I needed to do. I said, I don't know what will happen, but I, I'd encourage you to pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and he told me, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I was Catholic, but I don't go to church anymore. And I said, all right. Well, if you like, I could pray for you. So I prayed for him. You know, opportunities come. They don't always look that way. Your personality may not be my personality. That's okay. But as you're going to see, there's a woman here who all she does is she takes the appointment that God has set, and she just invites people to come and see. Just five words. Would you like to come? That's all it takes. So let's keep looking. Jesus, he also shows us that there's no barrier that he's going to allow to keep him from you and keep him from me and keep him from the people in this world. There's no barrier too big to keep Christ from reaching us. 
There are all sorts of barriers. There's all sorts of chains and locks and doors that kind of separated people into the lovables and the unlovables and the ins and the outs and the spirituals and the unspirituals. And at this time, at the bottom were the Samaritans. And at the bottom of the bottom were the women. And at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom were the women rejected by their communities. So Jesus, he goes to this woman. It says, there came a woman of Samaria to dry water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city. She was a woman. In this culture, men did not speak to women publicly. Husbands did not speak to their wives. Women could not be taught. Women could not testify in court. They were second-class citizens. And Jesus is engaging her because she's valuable, because God loves her, because this is the appointment he has that day. And he wants to teach us something through his interaction with her. This social barrier will not keep him from her. He breaks down a racial barrier. She says to him, hey, how is it that you're talking to me, being a Jew? Ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman, for Samaritans have no dealings with the Jews. I mean, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. You, you're from a different nation. We don't, we don't interact. You guys think we're mudbloods. We're, we're half-breeds. We have family that go back to the days of, of Israel, but then the Assyrians came in and they ripped us out, and so then we married a bunch of people who weren't Jewish, and you think we're a bunch of, a bunch of losers. How are you talking to me? She's blown away that this guy will give her attention. You see, he, he doesn't see... He will not allow these barriers to keep him from her. We cannot allow barriers to keep us from others. We have prejudice. There are things that we, there are background people in our lives. You know, there are people we see every day that they're just kind of in the background and we never quite interact with them. Those are the people that Jesus sees and he wants us to reach out to. Those are the people we have appointments with. So Jesus goes on, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? And Jesus, a little bit later, answered her and said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him A well of water springing up to eternal life. Sounds pretty good. See, she's misunderstanding him. She thinks he's going to meet her physical needs. He wants to meet all her needs, her spiritual need most, her need for the love and acceptance and the approval that all of us want. You see, this woman, she's the bucket, and Jesus is the well. He has what she needs. You see, we, we all want to be loved and accepted and approved. When we, we want to be honored and esteemed, especially from the people that we love and that we esteem. We want people to reciprocate and say we're good enough, they love us, we're awesome, they need us. We want to see approval in the eyes of our parents. We want to see love and affection in the eyes of our spouse and our community. We need this. It's our soul. Our soul thirsts for this. But many people are dry. And this is the effect of sin in our life. Lots of things dry us out. Our wounds, our pain, and our fears, our, our addictions, our compromise. There are all sorts of things that we get bound up by that, that dry us out spiritually. But Jesus knows that once we've tasted, once she's tasted the living water, once she's experienced the love and affection and forgiveness of God, once she realizes that God, the God of the universe, came to Sychar, he didn't go to Rome to see the the emperor he didn't go to the governor's house he didn't go see the high priest what is he doing there 
he's meeting this woman in a well. Why her? Why not? God loves her. Once she realizes, once you realize, once you've experienced God's love, your value to him, his forgiveness after you sinned again and again, not because of what you do, but because as a father, he loves you as a son and a daughter. When you've really experienced that, that changes you. You can't just take one drink. And that begins to overflow into other people's lives. You begin to extend the same love and grace and warmth and forgiveness to them that God has given to you. And the, these, these relationships, these people, they become fountains of living water. But you can look for the water in other places. You can look for it in other wells. And she had been looking for this living water in another place. And so that's what Jesus deals with next. So in the next passage, verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, a lot of people talk about this passage and and about this particular part. she's She's this immoral woman, and I don't know. What I know is that you can't divorce a man. Jewish women can't divorce men. So if she's had five husbands, it's because they've died or they've divorced her. And the guy she's living with now, he's not even marrying her. He's enjoying all the privileges of marriage, but he's taking none of the responsibilities. She's being used. She's been discarded. She's been devalued. And that's why she's at this well at 12 in the afternoon. I didn't know this because I'm not Sumerian, but... Apparently, you don't go to the well in the middle of the afternoon because it's really hot. The women go to the well in the evening when it's cool. She's not going then. She's going when she's by herself. She doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't want to see the looks. She doesn't want to hear the, the gossip. She's going by herself when there's nobody around. She's at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And that's the person that God goes to that day. That's amazing. That's who God is. That's how much he loves us. She's been looking for uh, this approval and affection in the eyes of men. We do too. The Bible calls it fear of man. It's not you're afraid, oh, but it's this need for their approval and their acceptance and their for you to feel okay. And we, we build our careers so that we can get and we try to buy cooler stuff and look really beautiful and have the right pictures online and we try to achieve and win And we want our kids to be great so that other people will look at our family. And what we're doing is we're trying to draw from people water to quench the thirst at our soul. That's the core of the human problem. And she has been looking in the wrong place. And that's why Jesus points this out to her. And so they have a further exchange and Jesus talks to her about, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship and how you worship And then she says to him, well, you know, I know a guy who I can trust. I know there's a man who I can put my faith and confidence in, the Messiah. Now, that's a loaded word at that time in that place. The Messiah was the central figure of the entire Bible. He was the promised king of Israel 
who would come into the world and bring God's kingdom over the whole world. He was the one who would deal with our sin. He was the one who would restore our relationship. He was the one who would build the heaven on earth that all of us want. This is a big guy, big figure. And she says, I know that Messiah is coming. He who called the Christ. And you know, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. He's going to help me figure it out. She has faith that this figure that the Jews believe in, she believes in him too, that he's coming. And then Jesus says something pretty remarkable. He reveals his secret identity. He says, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. This is a big deal because he didn't reveal his identity to people. He let people think what they want. He didn't, people would come to him and they would, they would put a, 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 a label on him and he would allow them to think what they wanted. But here, he reveals his identity to this woman. This is a big deal. He, again, he doesn't do it with the rich and the famous and the beautiful. He's in Sikhar. And can you imagine what this woman would have thought? Knowing what she knew about the Messiah. Knowing what a big deal Messiah was. That he was there with her. At the well. Why? Why me? Because I love you. Because I want to give you eternal life. And when you have experienced this love, when God has come into your life and you you have experienced this subjectively, it changes you. And so this woman, what does she do? (laughs) She, She leaves her bucket. And she runs back home to Samaria. And she says... It says, so the woman left her water pot and she went back into the city and said to the men, come and see, come see a man who told me all the things I've ever done. Kind of overstating it a little bit, but she's pumped. She's excited. And then she says, this isn't the Christ, is it? I mean, she's not even sure that what she sees is real. She's not even fully convinced that he is the Christ. She's still sorting. And yet she's inviting these men to come and see. You know, what's funny. Why didn't the disciples do this? Right. The disciples went into town to get food. They're the followers of Jesus. Why weren't they the ones to bring the crowds to Jesus? Why was it this woman? Because they missed it. They missed their appointment. But she didn't miss hers. And what did she do? Did she, was she baptized? Did she have really thick theological training? Did she know all the right Bible answers? No, she didn't have any of that. She just said, come and see. I'm not even sure what I'm seeing is real. Would you just come with me? That sounds doable. And so here's what we see. God will use us. God will use me if I will just invite them to come and see. It's five words. Would you like to come? She was the most unlikely person. And you may not feel qualified. A lot of you don't feel qualified to invite people to come and see, to discover Christ. You feel like you don't have the right training. You don't know what to say. Or maybe you feel like, you're living in two worlds. Maybe you haven't told people that you're a Christian or it's not been as big of a part of your relationship and you're feeling insecure like, well, they'll think I'm, you know, I know how that feels. But all it takes is, would you like to come? You know what? I, I haven't talked about this much, but I go to church and I really love my church. And next week is our grand opening. Would you like to come? Hey, I got a buddy and he's doing a meetup. We're going to go watch Cal Baptist play basketball. or We're going to go watch the movie Creed and have dinner before. Or There's a mother son laser tag and we're gonna we're gonna have so much fun would you like to come that's his, that's all it takes hey we're gonna be starting up some groups community groups or i'm sorry paradigm groups to 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 learn some very practical teaching about how to make life come together and, and go well would you like to come 
Five words. And look what happened. These people came. So ask yourself the question, what barrier could keep you from your divine appointment this week? Take a look at the handout, if you would. And you can see a list of specific things that can oftentimes keep us from inviting people to come and see and discover Christ like this woman did. It could be fear. It could be hurry or prejudice, maybe a sense of inadequacy. Maybe it's apathy, like, you know, you just you used to be excited about this stuff, but you're not anymore. Or maybe it's weariness. You're just, it's like, it's a long week. You're busy, you know, or passion for something else. Whatever it is, circle it. And may God give you the help you need to see the appointments that he has set. Because look what happened. Verse 39 says, from that city, many Samaritans believed in him. Why? Why did they believe? Because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. She didn't memorize Romans 6.23. She didn't write the bridge on a napkin. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's a good thing to do. Very good thing to do. But that's not what she did. She just said, God is good to me. Here's what God has done. Come and see with me. And all of us can do that. Even if you're here and you're not yet a Christian. You're new here. There are people in your life that you're close to. And you're not even sure this Jesus thing is real. Just like her. Invite them to come and see. Hey, I've been going to this church. It's kind of like a TED Talk mixed with a rock concert. And they have cool things for my kids. You know? I'm not even sure it's real, but I like the people. And it, I, I don't know. Will you come with me? There's a grand opening next week. I'd love for you to come and check it out and tell me if what I'm seeing is, is really going on. Just like she did. You're not here by accident. We're not here by accident. Look at your Facebook feed. Look at your Instagram feed. See the people in the pictures. And invite them to come and see. This happened to me recently. It was a long day, long week. It was the business meeting a couple weeks ago, and me and my friend Tom were talking afterwards. And uh, we walked outside, and there there was just cars everywhere. They were along the front of the building and the side of the building. And in the back parking lot, hundreds and hundreds of fast and furious cars, street cars, hoods up, chrome out. People were dressed like the movie. There was a taco truck. There was music. They're drinking Coronas. They brought chicken. It's a whole thing. And when I walked outside, I thought I should go tell these people, invite them to come to Church in the Valley. And immediately I thought, look at you. You look like a copy machine salesman. (laughs) They're not going to listen to you. So I stood there for a while trying to get the courage to do it. And then I said to Tom, I'm thinking about going over there. And he's like, I'll go with you. It's like, no, don't say that. You even hesitate. So we go inside and we get the... The business cards, like the ones in the back, like the ones you have to invite people. I take off my shirt. I have a white shirt underneath to try to look like Vin Diesel, you know. <laughs> and uh, we start walking around. And uh, I just meet people. And I was like, listen, we, uh, our church is meeting in Ontario. We're having a grand opening. Our building, our office is right there. We saw all these people. I thought, i got to come invite you guys to church. So here's a business card. I'd love for you to come. And if you're not interested, maybe you have a friend who wants to go to church. And every single person said, Thanks, man. High five, shake the hand. Nobody shut us down. There, there are people all around us that God has put in our life. And all we have to do is say, would you like to come? So I want to finish with this question. I was thinking about this. Why is it that Jesus is the one who can, who can give us living water? Why is he the only one who can give us living water? And the answer is, is because... On the cross, in our place, Jesus was made to say, I thirst. One of the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross was, I 
thirst. This is the creator of the universe, the one who made the oceans, who parted the Red Sea to save the Israelites. This is the one who stood up on a boat and told the storm to be quiet with a word. And this one, the living water, was made thirsty so that we would never thirst again. My sin and your sin against God has separated us from him. And a just God must deal and punish sin. But on the cross, Christ draped down the, 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 the red-hot cup of God's wrath on my behalf. He was made thirsty so that we could be quenched. And when you become a Christian, you understand your debt before God, and you want your relationship with your Father restored. And you recognize that Jesus is the only one who can take away the sin. And so you're willing to live for him now because he died for you. Not perfectly, but you want to. You're willing in your heart. So as we close, I want you to keep that in mind as we go out, as we sing our songs, as we take our offering. Let's look for the appointments that God has set and not miss them. If you're here today and you have not yet decided to follow Christ, you have not made a a decision publicly, then as I close in prayer, I'd like you to pray along with me. And if you're ready with a clear conscience to decide that you're going to follow Christ, that you want his death to be your death, and you want his life to be your life, then I want to encourage you to let us know in your connection card so that we can help you take your first steps in your new life with Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your living water. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him into this world so that we can live. Father, we believe you. We have sin in our lives that separates us from you. And we can't pay that debt back. Forgive us for our sins. Please receive Christ as our substitute. We put our faith in him to take away our sin. And Father, we give you our life. We ask you to come in through your Holy Spirit. We ask that Jesus would be our king. We want to live for you. And we pray that you would establish our faith. And for all those who have prayed that today, who really have decided for the first time, I pray that you would establish and root their faith and protect them and help them take their first steps into their new life with God. In Jesus' name, amen.